Hi, ladies. I'm Henri. And I'm Blanca. And this is the Meow Podcast. Meow stands for My Empowerment of Women and is a show dedicated to encouraging women to live empowered lives through storytelling. We are here to inspire women by advocating self love, self realization, self development, mental health, and entrepreneurship. It's a platform for all women to find purpose and share their stories. Join us bi weekly as we sit down and have heartfelt conversations that spark curiosity and inform you while we have some fun. Stay tuned, ladies. Hi, ladies. Welcome back to our new episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Hi, Henri. How are you? Things are looking great. How are you, Blanca? I'm good. Um, So we took a little bit of a break um, for the month of May. You and I were both busy, but we did have our June meetup. Um, That was a really nice uh, writing workshop with our friend Lonnie and a sound healing with our friend Gabby. Um, That was really nice. I'm really glad that we got to. Me too. I'm glad we got to start off June with a boom, you know, just getting everything together. And now we just got the idea for this episode today yeah so um theme for the meetup this month was gratitude um because we tend to are always looking into the future we're always looking into the past and you know really finding that space to stay present um which kind of correlates with the the theme for today um which is on self-sabotage because i think that we tend to self-sabotage when we're kind of not living in the present. Definitely. And it sometimes happens subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And so finding a way to create awareness and to be right on, to go back on the right track is, you know, something that we want to do on the show today. The reason why we wanted to do the topic of self-sabotage it is because a lot of us don't realize that we're kind of creating our own limits that are happening in our life. Um, I was really inspired by the book called The Mountain Is You, Transforming Self-Sabotage into Self-Mastery by Brianna Wiest. Um, And basically the book talks about all of the different ways that we tend to, um, you know, stop ourselves from reaching our highest potential. And she defines self-sabotage as self-sabotage is when you have two conflicting desires. One is conscious and one is unconscious. You know how you want to move your life forward, and yet you are still, for some reason, stuck. Yeah, and I definitely want to go along with that because the definition that I found was behaviors or thought patterns that hold you back and prevent you from doing what you want to do. So kind of like two subconscious minds just like going against each other and preventing you from being your best, true, authentic self, Mm -hmm. right? And I feel like there are so many signs that we can recognize in order to... um, reach our full potential. Yeah. And um, so we're going to list out just like a couple different ways that um, we tend to self-sabotage and and get a good conversation going. What's the first one? So the first one is when you're being hard on yourself. So the example that I found is like when you're replaying a mistake that you did like a while ago, Mm -hmm. you keep replaying those memories over and over again. And it kind of makes you not want to associate into those activities. Um, And the belief that you need to be perfect no matter what leaves a feeling like you'll never be good enough. Yeah. 
I really like this example because I think that a lot of us deal with perfectionism and the problem with perfectionism is that sometimes it stops us from doing things because we think to ourselves, well, if I'm not good at it the first time, then why even try? Definitely. And you know what? I recently kind of went through this experience recently with work, right? Mm -hmm. And not, of course, being perfection, you know, being perfect about everything that I do, but just felt like I was walking on eggshells. Mm -hmm. Then I started thinking to myself, like, am I good enough? You know, we're all humans. So, yeah. you know, although I'm doing this podcast, I'm not perfect, right. right? But catching yourself in order to reach success, right? Um, it's a hard, it's hard to catch yourself when you're in those dark stages. Yeah. It's so funny because um, you and I had our for our work experiences for these new jobs were really like almost mirroring one another. Like they were really similar in terms of like, they were both have been very challenging in the demands that they've had for us. And I think that you and I both are a bit of perfectionists. And I think that yes. we were kind of self-sabotage. Well, I was self-sabotaging at first because like, I think I was being so hard on myself because of like, the like harsh you know critiques that i was getting i was like internalizing them definitely and i think that when you are when you are a perfectionist it, it kind of is like you really have to teach yourself how to be compassionate with yourself that you're not going to do everything perfect right off the bat that's like not real and you no, know people are going to be tough on you yeah and that everything like takes time and that like there's like a growing period you know where you kind of um, are adjusting to like the new, like this new phase that you wanted to start. So, or this new project that we want, that you want to start, like allowing yourself the space to grow and to make mistakes is really how you're actually going to be good Definitely. at the job. And sometimes it gets hard because you feel like there's no room for mistakes or else that type of situation, you know, mm -hmm. but finding a, finding a way to really collect yourself in order to make the next, the next right move is you know it's very crucial so really catching yourself when you're being too hard on yourself and this phase of perfectionism is actually one of the types of self-sabotage so really catching yourself with that one yeah it was a long way and don't start don't not not start something just because you're not going to be good at it at first like i think that just you know realizing that that's just part of like the process and you know, you'll prevent yourself from doing anything if you if you're always like, well, I don't know how to do it perfect the first time, which is just like, there's fun in like kind of the growing exactly. pain. And also another example would be like, okay, you started a project and it didn't go well, and you started doing it again, and you get scared that it's not going to go well again. But you have to remember that you're in a different dimension, as in you also have you have experience from before that's actually going to help you with this task that you're trying to create. Yeah. And you know what is so funny is that the book, the book, um, The Mountain Is You talks about how when you start like a new job or anything that's like, so basically like she talks about how we're all addicted to dopamine um, and dopamine is like the hormone of wanting. It's not actually like the happy hormone that we've been thinking. Like that's why a lot of the times like people will be like, oh, I want a higher salary. I want a new job. And like the drive of wanting the new thing is what is the actual dopamine. Mm -hmm. And so when you actually get the new job, 
there's this thing called the adjustment adjustment shock because you've been driving on dopamine to get the new job when you finally have the job you basically go through dopamine withdrawal and um and the adjustment shock happens it comes off as like um can manifest as a simply increase in anxiety and irritability. However, it is often more complex than that. Adjustment shock often comes across as hypervigilance. If you make financial gains, your mind immediately shifts to what could potentially derail your progress. So basically, like as soon as we get the job, we begin to start looking at all the ways that we could fail. So that's like one of the ways that perfectionism because we finally have this thing and we realize that it's not the perfect thing that we thought it was going to be as we were on our way to get it. So, yeah. Yeah. Because we're setting expectations instead of goals. Yeah. yeah. But he, she, she, they talk, she talks about how like we need to stop always like just looking for the dopamine because then nothing is ever enough. So like realizing that when you get the job that the new goal should be, Oh, I want to be good at what I at what I just yeah, started. Creating right? little mind milestones. Yeah. Definitely. And another sign of self-sabotage that I found is you're quick to point out the negatives. And this can actually be really bad for your health too when you start nitpicking small things that's happening in your body, etc. You could get more sick from, from it. But here's an example. So, you know, not being in the right mind state, I go to a dinner with everybody. It's supposed to be a nice dinner. And I start pointing out small things mm. that's negative mm. and that's already signs of self-sabotage yeah so i really like this um this step or one of these um ways that we self-sabotage because the book calls it psychic thinking so a lot of the times because we have like these rooted deep beliefs um especially if our beliefs are no longer aligned with like our current program like our current programming are no longer helping us, we tend to think the worst scenario. So like, for example, um, let's say that you were like betrayed in a relationship, right? Mm -hmm. So you have created a belief that you can't trust, you know, people that you are getting really like intimate with. And so the way that you will self-sabotage is that you will start psychic thinking by the next person that you begin to date, you will begin to say, oh, well, they're just going to leave me anyway, or they're just going to like, you know, betray me anyway. You begin to like psychic think. Basically, you you are trying to predict what you believe is going to happen and anyways. that's gonna happen because you, you believe in it and, and yeah. yeah that's one of the things i was you know on the way here i was listening to a podcast that it was talking about like you know a person that goes through a bad experience in a relationship there's mm -hmm. they're essentially holding themselves back from being in a possible healthy relationship and in that way that is self-sabotage yeah because they're projecting their past experience on this new experience without giving it a full chance and it talks about how like well when i think about that is like like you know the term like a self-fulfilling prophecy like if you believe that because you had an experience and you don't heal that experience and you don't realize that it's not that everyone is going to betray you is that that one person betrayed you mm -hmm. but that person doesn't equate every everyone that's like coming into your life now and but if you're constantly thinking they're going to betray me. They're going to betray me. They're going to like, if you actually start to like attract 
a certain energy to you because like your subconscious is constantly trying to basically um like what's the word like it's basically trying to confirm what you believe Mm -hmm. so if you believe everyone's going to betray me your subconscious will put you in situations to confirm that belief definitely and i think we're always searching for that and the second sign of self-sabotage and if you're pointing out the negative then it is going to be a negative outcome yeah because you're not you're already bringing in like negative energy to like a brand new experience Mm -hmm. and um you know like it's good to be able to be like there's a difference between being like negative and like you know looking for the negative things and then being like realistic which there has to be like a balance and you have to be able to see things for what they truly are rather than perceiving them from a place of woundedness definitely and especially since being on the topic of self-sabotage for a person to be looking for these qualities of, you know, of signs of self-sabotage, they have to kind of be in a negative mindset to start with subconsciously too. Yeah. And I always think of this too, is like, if you are like, so there's this concept too that, um, well, I think like, it's like really being in touch with your intuition. Mm -hmm. Um, but a lot of the times, like a lot of people aren't, don't have that connection with themselves, with their intuition. They're really rooted in fear. And so their fears are kind of like running their, the show rather than being like being able to kind of sit with yourself and like intuitively feel, Emma, is this decision that I'm making right? And one of the, one of the best ways to know if your intuition is speaking to you versus the ego, which is fear is speaking to you is that your fear will always come like the consequence is always negative. Like, it'll always speak to you really loudly. Like, it'll be like, oh, like, they don't like me. Mm-hmm. Why even, you know, why even try? Um, like, when the, when, when, the, when the thought is actually creating, like, a sense of fear in you, that's not actually your intuition. Mm-hmm. Your intuition will be, like, subtle, and it will always be rooted in, it'll always be, like, loving to you. Like, it will always see the best outcome even if it's not always like the one that you want to hear yeah but it won't and and like your intuition is very subtle like your intuition like it it, it'll it'll only come in like once it's Mm -hmm. not something that's like repeated like your ego will constantly be saying like bad stuff it'll like keep playing the but your intuition is actually very subtle and it's very like quiet Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that and um, the third sign of self-sabotage is procrastination. So if you're waiting till the last minute to write a paper or, you know, putting off tasks, it might be because you're actually lazy mm-hmm. or it might be rooting because of things that are going, <laughs> yeah, you might be lazy or it might be from things that, you know, that's happening in your life. Like you're just really tired, mentally drained. And it's, you know, studies have shown that people that tend to, you know, procrastinate, or they describe themselves as procrastinators, um, they report higher levels of anxiety and stress. So, you know, when they're putting off these tasks that they're supposed to do, they're self-sabotaging, mm-hmm. right? They're not work- working towards a goal. And so I thought that was interesting because I never thought of it like this. And then I started thinking of how I used to when I was younger yeah. and how I used to procrastinate. And, you know, it was actually holding me back from 
success, right? Yeah. Uh, but as I got older, you know, being aware of um, where I stand and creating, you know, creating lists of priorities in order to reach my purpose. Mm -hmm. So switching that slight switch yeah. within you. Yeah, I've struggled with procrastination like always. <laughs> I I would definitely feel I feel like I'm a bit of a procrastinator. Like when I was like really bad, like yeah. really really like terrible procrastinator, a lot of it is fear. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it is anxiety. For some reason, I felt like avoiding the situation mm -hmm. um like just acting like, you know, it wasn't really wasn't really happening made me feel better. Because yeah. then I didn't have to acknowledge the fact that I had to, like, do something. Exactly. And, you know, you even said, like, there's different levels to it. Like you said, like, okay, you kind of procrastinate now, here and there. But before it was, like, you know, a different situation. So it was talking about a situation where it's, like, it's, like, a repeated, like, it's a pattern. That's yeah. when, you know, it's, like, an act of self-sabotage and you might need to seek help. Yeah, because a lot of the times why we are procrastinating, the chaos that it brings, it's because, like, we're addicted to a bit of chaos exactly and this really goes into like the next um the next sign which is when you're disorganized when you're disorganized mm -hmm. so when you walk into a really messy room and you know you might feel like your life is all over the place because like your surroundings are all over the place mm -hmm. um and this is like in a way self-sabotaging yourself because it creates lower self-esteem and you lose things that you want or you need yeah you know it's so I think I'm in higher levels of where I'm feeling down and depressed. Like I definitely see that. Like my Me room, too. That like my room gets really messy. Um, but the better, I think that the more that I like work on myself and the more that I like prioritize my needs and like my um, mental health, then I have seen like a shift in the way that I manage my, you know, my room or keeping things organized because there is like I'm realizing now that I don't like the chaos that I feel when my room is like a complete yeah. mess. Yeah, and also I feel like you know when th those times that my room was messy, it was really hard to even clean my room because mm -hmm. of like the mental state I was in, or it just felt like another thing I had to do. And it, you know I could also see that in a way during those times I was also having a hard time speaking with other people. Mm -hmm. Everything's kind of like rooted together, but once yeah. you're able to escape it and really get things in order that's when you just feel more freedom and you have control over what's next in your life yeah I always feel like when I'm really in like a very disorganized place like my brain is also in a foggy place yeah it I'm does in. and you know people always said make your bed every single day in the morning mm -hmm. that's really going to change the outlook of your whole day and that is actually kind of true <laughs> yeah I agree too and then like somebody said this to me once like always make your bed because it's like the biggest space in your room and if your bed, your bed is main, then like, then it makes the room look immediately cleaner, even if there's like a ton of stuff around it. Yeah. Um, and really, I think that just like setting the pace for the rest of your day, you know, mm -hmm. when you're disorganized, finding a way to not categorize yourself in that way. I feel like once you start labeling yourself, that's also another way yourself, you're self-sabotaging. Yeah. And it's totally okay if you're, you know, a messy organized too. Like there's yeah. nothing wrong with that either. I think it's like when it's excessive. Yeah, like, it's excessive. And you, you you know when it's like coming from a bad, like negative state of mind versus yeah. you're just like, you know, you're just like having things. Sometimes I, I, you know, I thought about this too. I have friends who are 
more unorganized side and i could be too but in a way that's how they organize their room and they know where everything is yeah <laughs> yeah i think yeah. it's exactly recognizing when it's coming from a place of like like uh, fear and like yeah. just, just no, you have no motivation off. you have no, no motivation. motivation and i think you know going back to the meaning of self-sabotage you're not being able to do things that you want because you're holding yourself back during those you know negative state of mind you're actually not allowing yourself mm -hmm. or you know to actually see the people they want to hang out with or actually be successful in your job because of the, you know, it kind of goes back into everything inside the head. Yeah. Um, so another way, um, another step is that you feel like a phony. So you have a hard time giving yourself credit for your own successes, mm -hmm. you know, which kind of prevents you into having confidence in yourself and the credibility where it should go. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what I would also call like imposter syndrome. Yes, that's what I said. That's yeah. what I said too. I think that this is like a really interesting, like I feel like I deal with imposter syndrome all the time because, um, you know, my family is like first generation American. Like a lot of the things that I've done in my life, like I'm the first one in my family, like the first one to go to college, the first one to move away from home. Like so a lot of the times like I deal with this feeling of who do I think I am or I don't know like never feeling like I really belong because a part of me is really trapped you know like in this in this idea yeah. that I don't deserve what I worked so hard to like to be at definitely and even with me too it comes in waves it's like I feel so strong about my career or whatever and then something you know life happens and then I start kind of getting not confident. I'm like, yeah, Bitch, I got this triple major. Like I literally have the experiences. I just have to like really hype myself up. Mm -hmm. I remember that I am like giving credit to me and actually empowering myself through it. But you know, we're all human. Sometimes we go through it. We have things that happen that make us feel like shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and exactly. And another way that this can manifest is like, is like sometimes like, for example, like, if you're at a like a meeting or something or like at a dinner and these are all people that you admire and in some ways like you don't feel like you deserve you know that seat at the table yeah um, that's one of the ways that we self-sabotage is that we'll go small we're going we'll go like meek um and we like begin to like hide our true selves because a part of us is unable to believe that we deserve to be where we're at and so i think that one way to you know defeat imposter syndrome is to realize that if you're at a certain place and you're around certain people and you're experiencing certain situations and and, and milestones like you worked for that mm -hmm. to be where you're at like you deserve to be wherever you're at like you know I believe like the universe wouldn't put you somewhere that you don't belong. Mm -hmm. So reminding yourself that you have to like give yourself the credit for all of the effort that you're doing to like live a good life. Exactly. And, and myself last year, if she knew that what I was doing now would be like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe you're like you have a new job and really, really look up to the accomplishments that you make. So you have to really look up to yourself and yeah. yeah you know so like was doing like a hypnotherapy session oh that's cool yeah for like a month i was working with this like hypnotherapist and one of the things that we were going into was actually imposter syndrome and um one of the ways that you can like 
heal imposter syndrome is by like listing out like 50 accomplishments that you've done it like from all of your ages from like you know zero to your current age and like list everything like that's one of the assignments that she gave me was like list everything that's been like a big milestone for you like it could be like riding a bike like learning yoga graduating college like moving to california like everything like anything that you can think of but you have to name 50 and then read them read them you know out loud to yourself and remind yourself of all of the things that you have accomplished and be proud of yourself because you did that yeah you know what? That's how I feel when I read my resume over and over again. <laughs> when I'm, you know, I've been like kind of like updating resume here and there, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm learning a lot. I've I've accomplished a lot, and like you know, I feel like I really want to do what you just um, talked about too. So it's not just like resume building within my career, but just all aspects of life, and just remind yourself on the all the hard work that you put in. Don't make yourself feel any small. Yeah, because when we don't believe that we deserve what we deeply, deep down know that what we want, you know, then we settle. We settle for places and situations that where we don't belong and we settle for jobs that that we are unhappy at. We settle for relationships that don't fulfill us. Um, you have to be able to see that, like, you are deserving of anything that your heart, like, deeply desires. Yeah. And I'm going to go into the next sign, which is overcommitment. This is when you overdo it. So for example, if I kept making plans for with other people like Blanca, my roommates, my boyfriend, and I just putting myself last, mm -hmm. you know, and then you don't have time to like, um, really set yourself up for success and do the things that you want to do and actually do what you want to do because you're just because by filling up your calendar in this way and overdoing it, you don't have time for yourself. Yeah. So this is what I call like the chronic busy person. You know, what are some of the priorities in my life? And mm -hmm. um, by filling up your by filling up your calendar with so many things that you want to do. So an example of this would be, for example, I'm doing meow club and I have my work things and I have like a side hustle that I'm working on. If I'm really distributing the time equally on these things, I'm never going to be a, you know, really good at one thing. So mm -hmm. really putting your time into one thing that you really want to focus on at that time in order for you to set yourself up for success. So not overdoing it. Yeah. That's an example. I also think that like when you're chronic, like I don't think being chronically busy is a flex. And yeah. I think that a lot of people see that as like a flex, like, yeah. like I'm super busy. I never have, like, I never have time. And I'm like, you're doing that on purpose. Like that's your choice. Mm -hmm. But then also I think that a lot of the times people who are like always exaggerating how busy they are, um, a lot of the times those are the kind of people that are avoiding being alone. Yeah. And I think that when you're not prior prioritizing alone time and you're not prioritizing like yourself and 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 you're always filling up your calendar where you can't where you feel like you can't even like breathe or like that somehow or it justifies some kind of I I just don't I used to think that that meant like that was like a good thing but now I actually don't think that that's like yeah. complex like and I feel like it's always so hard finding um a balance between 
being busy and what you call free time, right? Yeah. Um, but it's really important to use the calendar, utilize it. You know, my boyfriend was recently telling me that even blocking out the your alone time that you're going to have for yeah. meditation. Um, so these are, you know, little tasks to set yourself up for success. But I definitely do understand if you are in a situation where, you know, you have, you know, you're trying I totally, to find a new job yeah. or something and you're like stressing hours and days and days and days and you don't have time you know, yeah. time for external things. That's like one thing now. And, but I think that if you're constantly busy where it's like, you also, that just means that you don't have good time management, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I think that for me now, I think like, I think that having like space to have for myself is like what I will always prioritize yeah. because I know that like, I'm always my best self when I am like spending time on by myself. Yeah. That way you can like, you know, be like quality person when you're mm -hmm. around other people and it's definitely important to have that time management because if you feel like you're just floating above water then you know it's going to show in your the job that you're doing or the yeah. conversation that you're having with your friends you know these stress is going to pour over so yeah really i think you know overall this podcast today that we're doing today is to find awareness and really catching yourself mm -hmm. and the next um sign that i'm going to go into is when you're feeling like you're burnt out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that this has happened to me before um, where I just felt so burnt out. I was so forgetful mm -hmm. and um, I was making more mistakes than usual, like at home or something, mm -hmm. you know, when I'm doing chores. Um, but, you know, this is when you're self-sabotaging because you're not at your best because of like, external factors yeah. or really catching yourself to be present. Yeah. So burnout is actually like, I think it's very similar to the previous one when you're just like constantly really busy and you're not giving yourself the space like to, you know, take time for yourself, have good quality sleep. Like, I think that I always feel burn, burnt out mostly when I'm like excessively socializing, Yeah. like excessive socializing, just like, dr like it, it drains me. Um, so I think for me, I've realized that the only way that I feel good within my body and like my life isn't like kind of falling apart is if when I have like a healthy balance between like my personal life you know work and then socializing but I think that when you're overly focusing on one area, area yeah you tend to like burn out because you're not giving equal energy to all of like the things that feed yes. your, your 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 cup and sometimes it's so hard to find time to find enjoyment because, you know, that happened to me when I was, like, switching jobs last time where I was, like, so burnt out from that freaking job. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, there's the other side of it. You know, I think it goes back to being gra grateful. I yeah. feel like I wouldn't be where I am today um, without the, the work experience and the people that I worked with. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that it happens. People get burnt out from jobs. And finding a way of using that energy into some, something else that makes you bloom. Yeah. And burnout doesn't only have to be about like, you know, a job or exactly. It can be like just when we're overextending ourselves for anything that's not reciprocating the same energy back to us. So like another example of burnout is like, I know that I've dealt with this is like when I, A, you have to ask yourself, why are you overextending yourself? Like, what do you think you're going to gain off of giving so much without equal return back? But 
this can happen like with friends, like when you're overly like available for your friends, like when you are overly giving um, of your energy, but you do not, because you believe that you have to give so much of yourself, you realize it isn't until you're burnt out because you've given so much yeah. and you're the, also canceling your own plans and the energy. Whatever. Yeah. And the yeah. energy isn't being reciprocated back. Then you're like frustrated and you're angry. And then you, this is like when we lash out or when like, we're like upset because a lot of the times, like we have been like raised to, to believe that like we have to earn like love or respect or all of these things. And um, I think now it's like, going to situations or places or with people that like reciprocate your energy that like you give a little bit but I give a little yeah. bit and then you kind of feel that flow and like you can imagine this like for example like you and I are like looking at each other right and like the energy is going in circle right now mm -hmm. but if I'm the only one that's constantly giving right and you're constantly like taking from me then eventually I'm going to feel the burnt out from this connection because you're it's not like it's not going in like the circle that it needs to be to be in that balance yeah so um watch yourself when like you're overextending yourself for jobs or for people or for things so that and ask yourself why you're overextending yourself in the first place are you doing it for validation are you doing it because you think that's what you need to do to earn respect or whatever it is that you, you know you want out of the situation um, make sure that you're doing things because you love to and because you want to. Yeah, and rather... you, can't, you can't just expect things in return, right? Because that's also frustrating for the person when the person's like, you know, doing everything for you. Yeah. And then you come back to them and they get mad at you. You're like, I did this and this and this and this and this for you. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, sometimes people just, you know, I think it's they don't see eye to eye that they're just like, you didn't have to do this for me. And like, you know, getting into a big fight, but actually having that healthy boundary. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I've had people say that to me. Well, I didn't ask you to. It's, and then kind of messed up. <laughs> but I'm always, I did. I did things for people. I. I'm like no, but I, at the same time, you have to. I have to have had to ask myself why was I overextending myself? Yeah. Because I wanted them to like me. Yeah. Or it because I, it was for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Exactly. Like I think that that's why. It's a good so, wake up call. Yeah, it's so important to like ask yourself why am I overextending myself. Yeah. What is the validation that I'm looking for that I can give to myself? Yeah. Because when you're able to like fill your own cup, then you're able to give from this place of selflessness, but you're also able to be like discerning of who is going to reciprocate your yeah. energy. And also you earn, what is, I feel like by not saying yes to everything and actually spent being in your own lane, it kind of earns a uh, time for respect. Yeah. Or they're like, Oh, I can't really like, you know, ask, Blanca to do everything because yeah. you know Blanca has her own shit she's worrying about and they start respecting your boundaries and yeah. just you yeah and a lot of the times too like when people are like overextending it's also like a control thing yeah. I think like oh well if I do all these things well then they have to do this and that for me yeah and you have to realize that like not people aren't entitled to like reciprocating it back so that's why it's so important to be discerning who you are giving your energy to but, um, but yeah, like making sure that you're doing things for the right reasons and that you really don't have to like overextend yourself. Like now I do not overextend myself for anyone. Yeah. 
I don't either. I don't. I know. I'm like when it I have, feels good. It's like when you show up, they're like, "Oh my god, hey, there's a lot more to catch up on." And yeah, there's no ill feelings. Like, why does A and B and C for her, but she doesn't even realize I did this? She yeah, you know, there's not ill feelings. Like yeah. That. Um, and I'm gonna go into the last sign, which is risky behaviors. So this is when people are self sabotaging through like drugs or. For me, I was vaping, and you know, I haven't vaped in a month. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, you remember, I, um, over a month. So I was doing the nicotine patches, and then I switched over to doing nothing. So I haven't actually had a nicotine patch for or anything for a month now. Mm-hmm. But you know, these little things like that, it kind of holds you back from opportunities, and you know, people that you're going to meet or the way you're going to interact holds you back from many um, opportunities out there. Mm-hmm. So, you know. I think this is like when we're like thrill seeking, you know, we're like trying to look for, I don't know, like excitement in our lives because a part of us feels like, yeah. And I think that a lot of the times like we become almost like addicted to the chaos. Yeah, Yeah, this is like, yeah, this is like, you know, a lot of like, um, like where, you know, addictions happen or people are kind of addicted to the highs and lows of life. And like, I always think that that is um, like a really like dangerous place to go towards because you're basically, it's just like another form of escapism, basically. And, you know, that's what people turn to when they're burnt out mm-hmm. or you know, they just find a way to, you know, they think it's an escape. In reality, it's self-sabotage. Yeah. So, you know, um, so I have read this book called um, Codependent No More. And this book is really a great book for people who have dealt with somebody who who has been a, an, an addict because um, it basically talks about how like when a person in the family when like there's a family dynamic and there's a person that is an addict Mm -hmm. the people who are kind of dealing with the addict also become codependents Mm -hmm. and so because of the highs and lows that the person with addiction brings to the family the people within the family also become addicted to the highs and lows of life yeah, it's like an abusive relationship too. Yeah. Yeah. And so it talks about like codependent no more is for the families that have dealt with people who are addicts. And it talks about how um, like, for example, if you're a child of a codependent, I mean, of an addict um, and you were raised really in, in, in the thick of it, you will grow up to be a codependent to really high highs and really low lows. And a lot of the time it is because you have like a dysregulated um, uh, nervous system. And so because like you only and then and then you become like you normalize, you only really feel alive when you're going through these really like intense experiences. And so you subconsciously like will look for risky situations that bring those highs and lows. So, for example, like you will be somebody who dates like really um like aggressive or like controlling people because it almost mirrors back the experience that you had when you were growing up with the code with the addict that was in your family Mm -hmm. so um so like so like one of the ways that you can heal that is by kind of going back into like you know realizing that this is something within yourself and like learning how to 
like regulate your nervous system basically so that it no longer craves those really high highs and those low lows. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. And I feel like, you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with how to get better from self-sabotage, you know, how to, how to catch it, et cetera. But before going into it, I wanted to highlight five types of self-sabotage and based on the five, uh, based on the signs that we mentioned earlier, you might start to like categorize them. So the first one is procrastination. So this is when you're putting things off. We kind of like mentioned this earlier with cleaning or even your future goals that you have, right? And the second one is perfectionism. Need to need every need for everything to be perfect. Three is self-criticism, negative self-talk. Fourth is when you're resisting change. So making goals without any steps. Um, and number five being poor self-care. So kind of going back again into, you know, being disorganized. And this could be even like lead to eating habits and not exercising really you know holding you back from your potential living your full potential um and now going into ways to come out from self-sabotage so the first one is boost self-awareness mm -hmm. so this is not just through journaling but jour journaling specifically um your behaviors and increase awareness when you um of your own self-sabotage yeah. So this is like one of the, well, I feel like we talk about this literally always on the podcast, yeah. just how important it is to be kept to start going towards self-awareness and doing like that shadow work, because a lot of us are living like a lot of us, a lot of people are living in adult bodies, but with like the maturity level of like an 11 year old. Yeah. And um, oh, I didn't, I told you about this, but I started a course Oh yeah, um, yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. I started a life skills course. Um, it's like an eight-month program, but basically like moving towards those goals of like becoming like a you know spiritual teacher and all that stuff. And um well in and and in the class right now, like the main thing that we're like that is basically like teaching us is that like how important it is to be self-aware and to be able to like go back into the past and kind of recognize where we're stuck because um a lot of the times when somebody has like a traumatic experience like usually before the age of accountability so the age of accountability is 13 years old mm -hmm. and so before before you're 13 you aren't you don't have the mental capacity to be very accountable for like for the mistakes or the things that are happening to you. You're very, your mind is very receptive to the adults that are around you. And so if a child has like a, like an experience that um, emotionally stunts them, like they had like a really traumatic moment at 11, that person in that specific area will stay that age emotionally, even if they're like, their, emo their maturity grows in other areas. So, for example, like somebody is like really responsible at work and they're like an adult at work. But when it comes to like relationships or like something happened to them when they were 11, they will literally be stuck at 11 and the child will be wanting to get out. And so creating that self-awareness so that you can basically like heal your inner child mm -hmm. so that it can like begin to like 
grow out of the of the maturity age of 11. Yeah, exactly. And oftentimes we talk about being present, but it's about really tackling the things that happen in your past so that you can actually move forward and actually fully be present. Mm-hmm. And journaling is one of the ways that you can really catch these um, moments um, and document your behavior so that you can move forward. And as the days go by or even weeks or months, it's you're going to subconsciously alter mm-hmm. uh, your your reactions to when you're about to self-sabotage yeah and that like this is really about like just becoming like being able to Mm self-reflect but this doesn't mean like self-deprecate like it's very important to like be able to look at yourself like I mean I feel like I just had a moment (laughs) with us like the other day where I had a moment and you're like I caught myself and then how can I like self-reflect and be like, okay, this isn't a belief that I want to continue anymore, but without it being rooted in self-hate. Yeah. So like, yeah, you like being able to like look at your actions for what they are, but not like be like brutal with yourself and like realize that like, that's just part of being a human being. Yeah. Never be too hard on yourself. Cause it kind of goes back to, you know, that that is self-sabotage and, mm-hmm. Um, another way that you can um, catch yourself and actually, you know, get yourself out of this self-sabotage moment is ask yourself, are these habits helping you or harming you? I think an easy example could go back to like recreational drugs, you know, because mm-hmm. that, that was one of the things that you can be self-sabotage. Um, but really, like asking yourself, is this helping you or harming you in the r- long run? And the more you practice really imagining what's going to be moving forward, you know, it's going to naturally come to you. Yeah, I think that this is like really important to know too, is that a lot of the times when we are children, we we like learn ways to like survive the environment that we're in. So like, you know, like if we're around like adults that aren't, that don't have like a handle on their emotions, as a child, you will learn habits to protect yourself and to keep yourself safe. But you have to realize that you get to a certain age where the self-protective habits that you created as a kid are no longer necessary in your adult life. And they're actually preventing you from like either really connecting with people or like really like getting into like your own potential. So, um, you know, realizing that there is a moment in your life where you really do have to change. Mm-hmm. And that what you needed before isn't what you need now. Yeah, you're not in the same um, fishbowl anymore. Yeah, and it's really <laughs> like creating, like um, being able to tap into your inner child. Like I think meditation is really great for this. Is like being able to kind of go back to a moment and like be there for yourself. And mm-hmm. maybe the adults that were there when you were little couldn't give you that comfort, but how can I learn how to comfort myself now? The next tip to get out of this is set meaningful goals, but most importantly, pair them with actions. So one of the types of self-sabotage was resisting change. Mm-hmm. And that was because you're making goals, but you're not making necessarily you're not making the necessary steps in order to reach those goals. And also another thing with this is ask yourself these two questions. What do you want in your life? And also, what creates more meaning and purpose? So being purpose-driven and making sure you accomplish these milestones in order to reach the goal. Yeah. Um, 
it's so I like that set that you just mentioned because the book The Mountain Is You talks about this a lot that um basically like the human be human beings were like conditioned for comfort. Mm-hmm. Like we're always looking to be in a comfortable place. Stability. Yeah. yeah. But um it talks about not even stability. We're 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 conditioned to be comfortable. Yeah. And comfortable like some people can be comfortable in chaos. Some people can be comfortable in like, you know, with never talking to anybody. Mm-hmm. It's when the comfort zone becomes like your worst enemy basically because mm-hmm. you're no because like we're conditioned for comfort but we're also conditioned for growth. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the times people don't want to change because they feel uncomfortable by the growth that is necessary for them to get to a new level of comfort. And so basically the book talks about how we're always going to be in the cycle of comfort and then the comfort no longer is serving us and then we change and then we're back into like a comfortable place and then you know time goes by and then it's time to grow again and it's when we're resisting the period where we need to grow when this is when like it becomes like bad because then like life will keep throwing at you like signs that you need to change but your resistance will make similar situations too. So you can grow. Yeah, exactly. So this is also true. Like when you have like a pattern, like for example, like if you're always dating, like the same person, but in a different body, like you, and you're always like kind of blaming the other person for like, why it is that like you have like bad, you know, bad apples all the time. Yeah. In reality, it's not that it's not that it's not the other, it's actually you. Yeah, and I keep throwing the same boomerang. Yeah, until you learn the lesson. And the lesson is here to make you grow. Why am I choosing? What is it about these people that I'm actually attracted to? And if they're making, if they're bringing so much chaos into my life, why do I keep, you know, choosing the same person in a different skin? Yeah, and also, you know, I might go back to realizing that what you're not looking for is a relationship currently, right? And well, a lot of the times we're comfortable with that kind of energy. Yeah. Like we're just, we're comfortable with, um, with, with that kind of chaotic dynamic. So the idea of like growing to be with a different type of like energy, or even like, for example, if like we're always going to jobs that drain us or jobs that don't see our value, like a part of us needs to change how we see ourselves. Like, what do we believe that we're, you know worthy of and that is where we're like growing and changing it's like you have to really ask yourself why am i not allowing myself to grow out of this mindset where i can like even if it's uncomfortable i know that at the end of of this like you know this bridge like i'll be able to be comfortable there until it's time to grow again yeah and i feel like just the comfort of knowing it's actually gonna the comfort of knowing that you're going to be comforted. In, uh, that you'll eventually be comfortable in the yes, next place. Yes, yes, yes. That, that'll help you go go into yeah. the growth period. Honestly, <laughs> that cracks me up. I always, Sorry. people who like don't like to grow or change or learn, like I don't know how people are like that. Yeah, you know, adaptability, being flexible to change is one of like, the qualities that people that I actually enjoy in life, you know, just getting out of my comfort zone. Yeah. But I think, you know, it, it takes, if you have bad experience with something in your life, mm-hmm. then 
it's also triggering if you have to be like out there with people but i think like i think that like the resisting of (laughs) i think the resisting of growth is actually harder on you than like actually changing like i think that sometimes we like um we we make situations seem a lot more scarier than they are like have you ever has that ever happened to you like something that you wanted to do and it felt so scary yeah and then when you finally did it you're like wow that wasn't even that bad you know what i was at this uh, water park in hawaii and i went on this ride called the shaka it's like a really scary ride i remember screaming crying i don't want to go on it (laughs) let's skip forward i did uh-huh. i didn't remember that i went on it for two days we like it like blacked out like I, I blacked out i was literally arguing with my mom like mom i didn't go on it this is when i was younger and i was like oh my god i was so scared that i didn't remember any of the experience there's a uh-huh. photo of me on it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and it just you know i think just but in general sorry backtrack it's about catching yourself right um and knowing that there's comfort in the change Yeah, I think that if we embrace change, embrace like the excitement of like something different, like I, I don't know, like I feel like I'm like such a change seeker. Um, Sometimes I don't, I do. You're a dopamine seeker. I guess I am a dopamine seeker. I'm trying not to be, (laughs) which is, which is why, which is why I wanted us to do um, self-sabotage. No gratitude. No gratitude. Yeah. I wanted June to be the, the, yeah, the, the theme for it to be gratitude because I think that I real this book made me realize how I'm a dopamine um, chaser, chaser, and I'm always <laughs> looking for the next thing, and that that was that that's actually creating, you know, yeah. like strife in my life too because I'm never like, like hey, like I'm good right here, like I'm okay, like just sitting here right now, and I think that there has to be this balance of like the people who are constantly seeking change and the people who are not seeking yeah. change. And I think it's also conditioning ourselves to seek dopamine in the right places. Right. Yeah. So really looking forward to the long time that I'm going to have or this podcast, mm-hmm. not just being like, Hey, I want to book trips or go on dangerous things just because dopamine, but actually training yourself to seek dopamine in the right places. Mm-hmm. Um, another um, step in Another step into catching yourself when you're self-sabotaging is making small changes instead of big ones because habits are most effectively changed in small steps. Mm -hmm. And I definitely agree with that. I feel like creating little, actually celebrating every little milestone Mm -hmm. into the bigger picture is more productive than just looking, you know, just putting a lot of pressure on yourself to make that change in a day. Yeah. I think that that could be depressing. Honestly, I just learned this too because I think that a lot of the times I'm like, tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be the most responsible, like organized person that ever existed ever. And then the next day comes and I'm like, "Mm, no, like it's just like you have to like what you were saying. It's like make small steps. It's you have to like if you do just one new thing every day and you do it consistently, like. For example, like just promising yourself, I'm going to make my bed every day. It's literally what I was thinking. And then once (laughs) like you do that and then eventually you'll start making your bed and then that will become a habit. And then you'll move on to like, you know what, every like now that I'm like, it's become like habitual for me to make my bed. I'm going to put my shoes away every morning. Like and then you add on. It's kind of like the compound effect. Yeah. It's like one little thing and not overwhelming yourself with like you can't become like a we can't sometimes i think that we think that 
making the decision that we want to change means that the next day we're going to be this brand new person. And it's like, that's not how it works. It's just like, yeah, making gradual small changes that eventually will lead to a bigger picture. Yeah. will lead to like a really big transformation. Yeah. The next step is befriend yourself. You know, like Blanca, you were mess. You know, you were mentioning earlier something similar to this, like befriending yourself and being kind to yourself. I think it's just something like that. But develop a gentle, accepting attitude. We make mistakes and we're human. So really, being kind to ourselves, especially when we're going through this change and when we catch ourselves um, in the act of self sabotage. Yeah, and I think that like what you're saying there too is that. Um really the biggest way to kind of begin to change your life is to become like accountable for yourself and like really stop running away from the reality of like the mistakes that you've made. Because I think that when we deny that we did something wrong or we that blame we blame other people, that's what we we're blame, talking about. Yeah or, yeah. or like we don't do exactly like instead of like taking accountability for the actions that we've chosen, we blame the other person like, well, they did that. So like, that's why I reacted that way. Um, I think that a lot of the times the reason why accountability is so hard to take is because we associate doing something bad with meaning that we're a bad person. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really important shift to make is that just because you make mistakes, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. Yeah. And then when you realize that, like, it's not a it, being able to recognize, hey, like, I made a mistake. I'm sorry. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like the biggest thing, like for people who don't know how to be accountable for themselves, is that they feel like if they accept that they did something wrong, it equates being a bad person. And I think and I being able like to differentiate where you have to kind of like accept yourself because not everybody's going to be there for you. You're not growing up or really really carrying your inner child and really giving a lot of comfort to yourself in order to get out of this stage of self-sabotage. Yeah. Well, first, yeah, exactly. It's like being able to, you know, be gentle with yourself that just because we do bad things, that doesn't mean that we're bad people. Mm -hmm. And when you recognize that, that that's like, it's normal to make mistakes. It is normal to not always see things clearly and to recognize that sometimes we hurt people and we or or we make thing or we create chaos, you know, that doesn't mean that like there's something inherently wrong with you. And then you can start being compassionate with yourself. The next steps of catching yourself when you're self-sabotaging is knowing and embracing your strengths. So, you know, the first one we kind of talked about like journaling and documenting behaviors and creating awareness. Um, when you're um, awareness of your own self-sabotage, but for this one, you're actually reflecting on your own strength and record the positive emotions you experience when you catch yourself and pivot, you know, pivot so that you allow yourself to do the things that you want to do. Here's an example question that you could ask yourself. When do you feel your best? So that you can actually go back to these emotions and remember the drive to make you the to put yourself at your full potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think journaling is definitely a really great way to kind of self-reflect because a lot of the times like we have monkey brain, you know, and I think that I- I'm like such a thinker, like I can literally run a marathon. Like 
most people think about things once. I think about things five million times. I write an essay about it. I do research about it. Like I'm words with Blanca. Yeah, like I'm literally such a like for a long time, like that was my anxiety. Like I had really bad anxiety because I just my I couldn't ever like shut my brain off. Yeah. And journaling really has helped me just kind of get it all out. And a lot of the times it's like really nonsense, mm-hmm. you know? So being able to like vent to yourself and then also ask yourself like specific questions, like where you can really like, yeah, like get to the root of why certain things are being brought up. And then once you read it out loud, you can be like, wait, that's not actually true. Yeah. When you actually go back into what you wrote in your journal. And this yeah. is just like a, also a really good reminder of, you know, kind of it kind of like reminds me of what you were saying earlier about writing out all of the accomplishments in your life. Mm-hmm. So really recognizing those strengths and remembering who you are. Yeah. And that way you're not going to be an, having that imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and just being really confident in your accomplishments, which will lead you to more successes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I really do hope you do that. Yeah. Do we like a little Google Drive? Google Drive? Yeah, I want to try it. And the next one is mindful practice. I know, Blanca, you mentioned at the beginning of this about the importance of meditation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And really, this really helps one get really grounded, get to the present and meditate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, being able to reflect on, you know, you were talking about this too, reflection. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these are the times that's really really crucial to you getting out of this mind state of self-sabotage yeah I personally feel like meditation is like the biggest way to um disconnect from the monkey brain um I've been meditating now for about four years and I started meditating um at the beginning of like my spiritual kind of change or like when I was starting to seek you know a different mindset and I always recommend meditation to people who have a lot of anxiety some people get offended by recommending but it's actually like one of the best practices that you can pick up like if you look at all of the people who are like famous who have like really a lot of success they all are meditators and Henri and I meditate every before we start the show because Mm -hmm. it really like clears your mind it does and you know especially during the pandemic i was meditating every single day Mm -hmm. now i have to i want to you know how i got really sick um ending of april and may Mm -hmm. so i haven't been like working out or like i want to get back into my routine again Mm -hmm. but those things really help you um be more awake during the day and you're more focused Mm -hmm. and it's just a great outcome like everything that you touch and you work on yeah it kind of there's a purpose Yeah, it like resets your mind and it also like, so I always tell people that meditation is not about stop, like, it's not about you not thinking anymore, because like, that's never going to end, like, our brain is always going to be running, running, right? But it's actually like, the point of meditation is to disconnect from the thoughts. So basically, you are viewing the thoughts from like an eagle's eye view rather than you in the thoughts Mm -hmm. so um if you're new to meditation like a really great app is the calm app that's what i started off with um now i'm in a place where i don't need the apps like Mm -hmm. i can meditate by myself but i really enjoy um group meditations there is this uh 
temple that I went to when I first moved to California. This is like when I had like really bad anxiety and like I was on medication because I didn't know how to feel peace. I was learning how to really meditate. I um, There's this temple called like the Dharma Bum Temple here in San Diego. It's a really great temple. They teach you how to meditate. So all of the services are all kinds of people go mm-hmm. um, and they like, you know, they're not, it's not a temple. It's not, it's a Buddhist temple, but it's not run by monks. It's like normal people who have been taught by monks. Um, And when I first moved here, I had such bad anxiety. I was going every day and they really taught me like the art of meditation and like really like the goal is for you to realize that you are not your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And I think that when we are self-sabotaging, the reason why we're self-sabotaging is because we are believing the thoughts that are in our mind. And you just have to realize that like, just because you think it, it doesn't mean it's real. And the more that you're learned, the more that you are able to sit in silence and you're able to like follow your breath because again like the point of meditation is not to stop thinking the point of meditation is to detach from the thinking mm-hmm. to realize that the thinkings they're just recordings yeah it's just all in their head it's just recordings like think about it as like streams of like 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 lasers yeah you know like things that are happening and then it's actually when we kind of attach to the stream of the thought that's when we spiral So like we have a thought like Henri doesn't like me. I'll attach my awareness to the thought and then the thought will go, Henri doesn't like me. Henri looked at me bad today. Henri gave me a bad look. And then, you know, we spiral (laughs) Yeah. because your awareness is attached to the thought. Yeah. And so the thought acting on it and and the thought creates an emotion and Mm -hmm. the emotion creates a reaction. Yeah. And so meditation really helps you create mindfulness because you're able to see the thought, Henri doesn't like me, but you're able to see it from like, that's just a thought that I'm having. It's not actually real and you can switch it. Yeah. And the last step would be, so, you know, this is so easy to say, but you know, I've never gone to therapy before, but one of the steps that, you know, after doing more research, you said work with a therapist, especially because, you know, you might be trying to take these steps, but you might actually need professional help that you can't just talk to a friend. Mm-hmm. You actually might need another professional to actually guide you through it. Yeah. I think that we have to remember that like investing in yourself is really important and like going to therapy, you know, going to like different life coaches or. Yeah. I, I like the, life coach. Yeah. Going to like, different um I know yeah you were you're working with a life coach too and um just like anytime that you're investing in your health and your mind you're telling the universe that you love yourself exactly and that you matter and so kind of taking away that stigma of like seeking help from professionals because Honor and I are not professionals we just really love obviously like the self-growth world and we're only kind of reiterating what we're learning um so, you know, there, there, there are times where you do need a professional to kind of help guide you through like these thicker, harder. Exactly. Um, and, you know, there's like a negative stigma around it. But, you know, I definitely feel that if you're going to be work like when I want to work on my body, I will go to a physical therapist. 
So why not, if I want to make my mind more clear, go, mm-hmm. go see a therapist. Like it shouldn't be anything. It should be a positive outcome. Yeah. Before we end, I really wanted to list out um, like the five ways to handle personal problems and if you're in perception versus reality. So perception, when you're looking at things from like the ego or from like a place of fear, there's five different ways that you know you're still in like an immature state. Um, And then we'll name the last one, which is like, this is how you know you're kind of taking the steps to no longer self-sabotage. So number one is if you're projecting in projection, the person places the blame for her difficulties on things, circumstances, and people rather than on self. In this way, they are able to live without without themselves with some measure of self-respect and without any personal personality disintegration. Um, number two is by ignoring the problems. Here, the person pretends that the problem does not exist or that the difficulty is not as severe as it appears. Number three is you internalize it. Internalizing blocks out all difficulties by locking them up within themselves. It is much like having a family with skeletons in the closet. Number four is by verbalizing it. This is when the person handles his or her problems in the exact opposite manner of the one who internalizes it by kind of overventing to their frustrations to any listening ear. Um, And the last is by displaying it. Some people exhibit their difficulties like a war hero who displays his injuries. In this way, the suffering hero gets much attention and recognition and makes the problem well worth the inconvenience. And so um, the way to change, if you're in any of these like immature ways of handling your problems, what you want to move towards is by just dealing with it. This is the mature way. While disciplined, people are not satisfied to endure unnecessary difficulties when it is within their power to change. This requires self-examination, determination, judgment, repentance, restoration, and well-being. Yeah. You, sh- you need to take a step back. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like a lot of things in life, once you take a step back, you have a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And that really helps with the outcome so you don't have to display anger. Yeah. I definitely have been in one of these. Like, I think I'm definitely a verbalizer. Like, for a long time, I was, like, an excessive venter. Yeah. (laughs) Where, like, I just was always telling people my problems. And I realized that that was, like, a way to not deal with it. Because if I, like, dump – it's, like, do you know when people trauma dump on you? Trauma bond. Not trauma bond, but, like, they come with you with, like, all of their shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. I tell them I'm not the person to talk to. <laughs> I do, I do, you know? I got one of them got mad at me, but I'm, like, but no. I, I'm, I'm very straightforward. I feel like, you know, as a friend, I'm here to listen to you. But if it's to a point where we're talking about it for an hour or two and you haven't asked anybody else in the room how they are doing, mm-hmm. then that's kind of, like, lack of self-awareness. Yeah, right? that's a way to see if you're – I think all of these – five ways is like when you're not in self-awareness when you're not realizing how you're kind of kind of um yeah ignoring the parts that you have to be accountable for no I think that's having healthy boundaries yeah yeah Yeah. just just so then like every time we see each other now it's like they they really like make sure the conversation is more different Uh, yeah yeah I'm trying to become self-aware when I am verbalizing because I'm obviously a talker um but now I realize like Am I sharing this information because I actually want to 
like get some actual advice or am I just dumping this yeah. because then I can go home and like not think about it. Yeah, it's like word vomiting. Yeah. And I always say less yippee yap the better. Yeah. Yes, and I think that when like you realize that like it's okay to like because you do have to vent sometimes and you do you have do. like but yeah like having boundaries with yourself and like you know your friend setting I think that like you having boundaries is like that means that you care about them like hey like you know I appreciate I like I appreciate you trusting me with this stuff but I just want to make sure that like you're actually doing something to change it so that we're not just like having the same yeah, conversation all the time because then it's like you know frustrating for both parties yeah ignoring it I think that I have been in like before like maybe like where I just like avoid things like I'm definitely yeah. somewhat of an avoider I because, think I'm more of an avoider um you know if I I don't really get into fights or anything yeah but if I do get pissed yeah actually no I think I'm, it goes both ways. it really depends on what it is who, who it is I you know I try to take a step back I just don't respond for hours because I really want to think on it yeah or if it's something that really pissed me off. Yeah. Like like a dog pissed off my carpet. I texted one of my friends like, <laughs> your dog's dead to me. <laughs> but, you know, that's kind of funny topic, right? So yeah. It's, it's like, you know, I wouldn't be trying to like. Yeah. <laughs> I think that like basically what we're saying is like this is all just going towards like emotional maturity, you know, being exactly. able to handle your shit and not being in a place where you're ignoring it because it's definitely not going to go away until you like deal with it yeah and like what we talked about life is going to keep throwing the same challenges at you in different forms for you to make the change yeah because we're literally conditioned to be in a habit so exactly like life will always throw at you the same lesson the same person in a in different skin until you learn you wake up until you wake up and you realize like I deserve better than this or I don't want to be like this yeah. anymore like I want to change and even though like change is uncomfortable like you deserve to live a better quality life yeah. so, change is not you know change might not be you might easy. not be yeah change might not be easy but being in the same pattern where you feel like you're drowning sounds like a worse option to yeah. me yeah I think the comfort zone can be a dead zone yeah so it's good to be present when you are in these places of like bliss where it's like good to be comfortable. But then when life pushes you to change, you know, just ride the wave. Ride the wave, baby. This is now the ending of our episode. Yes, thank you so much for sitting with us and uh, hopefully we didn't ramble too much, but um, we hope yeah. you got the lesson of um, you know, I learned as much. I learned a lot about this topic yeah. from just talking to you today, and I hope we left the message. You, mm -hmm. you know, self sabotaging, knowing how to catch yourself, and really utilizing those steps that we found into getting out of that situation. Yeah, and just know that you're capable of doing anything you set your mind to. Like you are your, you are limitless. You just have to believe it. And um, the book that we recommend um, is "The Mountain Is You." transforming self-sabotage into self-mastery this is really a great book it really like just dives into all of the different ways that we self-sabotage and all of the beliefs that are kind of deeply rooted within us that kind of stop us from being our best self but thank you for listening to our episode yeah bye guys bye